Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. So glad to be with you live on the radio. Shout out to our Radio by Grace Network, Grace FM. You guys are listening live. All of my new friends in Hope FM and Truth FM, welcome back. Higher Rock Radio, everyone listening online. I always get a little report before the show when Kevin is um, if, when Kevin is um, hosting, and I see listeners uh, tuned into our stream in Gibraltar, Kenya, even Ukraine. Uh, and I'm looking at quite a few states, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, you know, 12, 13 states, at least on this little map, um, just looking at it briefly. So welcome, everyone, wherever you're listening. I'm glad that you tune in. And that doesn't even include anyone listening to the Radio by Grace stream or the whole, or the other streams uh, on as this show is picked up uh, on other stations. So here we go. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number taking your calls and your questions. And we're not even going to um, have an introduction. We're going to go right to the phone lines. Max in Georgia. Welcome to the program. You're on the air, Max. Um, thank you. Just calling to request prayer. Okay. Killing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Has this been something for a while, or is it just brand new? Oh, it's just brand new. Okay. Brand new. Well, but Father, I pray I, for I, my, I pray for my friend Max. Um, just really dealing with some difficult emotions, some discouragement, Lord. Uh, things going on in his life that are beating down on him, and uh, just the 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 heaviness that he's feeling, Lord. And I pray, God, you would lift some of the heaviness that he's been feeling, Lord. I pray that you would uh, relieve the stress and the pressure um, that he is facing, um, that you would give him wisdom on how to respond to the difficulties. And I pray, God, that you would be the lifter of his spirits, that you would strengthen him to encourage himself in you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, my brother. God bless you. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your calls and your questions. And, of course, you can text me directly, 720-336-0897. You know, there's quite a bit going on around here in this church here in Colorado. Uh, we want to let you know that... Um, our refresh conference is coming up and it gives you some time to plan to be out here in Colorado for our three day. We're adding a day this year. It's been so fruitful uh, that we wanted to add a day and some surprises to this conference. This is not really a conference. 
uh, and it's coming up at the end at the beginning of October. So we're we're working on the final details. Talking a little bit yesterday about it. I just want you to mark your calendar. Or at least get it in your mind. You're like, I don't know. It's uh, you know, a lot of times people people would say I can't do it because I didn't get enough information. I didn't know ahead of time. But I'm telling you right now, uh, refresh is going to be uh, October. Six, seven, and eight. So it's a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday morning, and it is the design that what God put on our heart many, many years ago uh, is to create an environment where pastors, teachers, wives, elders, servants. It's a servants' conference. It's all about. It's not a lot. A lot of the conferences. Uh, that we have had gone to is just exclusively pastors or exclusively pastors and their wives. And we've never thought that was good here. And we've always opened it up. Um, it's it's in, it, Pastors and wives definitely have a uniqueness, but they can get strengthened in other places uh, as well. But man, we need to get the people together. And, and last year was our biggest ever, most successful, most fruitful uh, so just mark your calendars, yeah, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. we got special worship. Uh, we're not ready to announce yet, uh, but we're bringing in worship, and and we're not quite sure the teachers yet. But that we don't want any of that to be the draw, right? We want you to come because you need to be refreshed and encouraged. But we do spend uh, a lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of planning to make this uh, an, inc- an incredible uh, time for you that you might be able to be strengthened in the inner man, in the inner woman. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Here's a text question that's come through. Uh, is there a devotional that you would recommend for couples? It doesn't need to be specifically a couple's uh, devotional, just a great devotional. Now, Unfortunately, this is a text question and we can't talk about it, um, but I'm curious of what direction you're thinking. Like, is it, is it in, are you looking for like a, a devotional, like um, one from Spurgeon, it's called the checkbook of faith. And it's just a really faith inspiring devotional. Uh, another one is Tozer for the Christian leader. That's a really good devotional and it speaks on you know taking the word of god and stirring up the leader in us another one that is super popular uh and a little stirring kind of, he's kind of a little edgy but it's okay i mean not edgy like sinful but it's my utmost, my utmost for his highest uh and that's from oswald Cham- chambers and you can even actually um get that devotional online you can have it emailed to you i've been getting emails uh, and I, let me suggest this one because I just started receiving emails uh, from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, of course, you guys listening in, uh, you know that unfortunately Pastor Ray Bentley suddenly and tragically went home to be with the Lord uh, uh, last year. Uh, it was a COVID-related sickness that he didn't recover from. And he, they are, Maranatha Chapel uh, is still sending out his devotionals. And I've been doing that every morning. And I, and if you've been following me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on uh, on Facebook. I've been posting uh, snippets from Pastor Ray. I've been super encouraged by that. Uh, and that's free. You can go to Maranatha Chapel and get it there. So lots of great resources, lots of great devotionals. You don't even need to buy them. 
My Utmost is online for free. Um, Ray Bentley's is online for free. Uh, another one that is dear to my heart, um, there's two actually, if if like a devotional grief-related or just pain-related, there's a free resource on griefshare.org, and there's also a resource on, um, uh, what was I think? Oh, the it's another Spurgeon book, Besides Still Waters, Besides Still Waters. Also, on the Bible app, version Y-O-U, there are a lot of devotionals, and I can't vouch for all the teachers and um and so you'll you have to go like to a library right and and make sure maybe on you version you could go through their devotions and you can say hey ed these three appealed to me what do you think and you can send it to me and i can tell you if i know them or not and if i would recommend them or not or if i would not recommend them so that's y-o-u version all those devos are free as well good question 303-690-3000 back to the phone lines up into well actually out uh, east to Biloxi, Mississippi. Frank, welcome to the program. Hey, hey Frank, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. I, I was calling with a real quick question about the blood of Christ. Okay. And I, my understanding is, is that he will forgive any sin, anything. He will forget those sins on Judgment Day. Am I wrong? You are. Yes, you are, because I think we okay. use the we use the and we use the English language a little broadly here, okay. and and so we know that there is a sin that is unforgivable, that if a person dies in their sin, there is no forgiveness available for dying in their sin, and over the years people have tried to identify the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Are you familiar with that passage of Scripture? I'm not, but I just think that in our society right now, everybody's doing that. Everybody's well, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Well, there's a there's a specific definition of that, so I, I'm, I appreciate you um, sharing that, because it, we want to be careful with our definitions um, and understand our definitions, because blasphemy in and of itself is a forgivable sin. Uh, we know that very particularly because Paul, the apostle who, who was formerly Saul of Tarsus, describes himself as a blasphemer in his previous life. And he was forgiven and enlisted in ministry. And so blasphemy in and of itself is a forgivable sin. And so when we when we think of this particular sin, we need to make sure that we understand what is it um, and w- what is Jesus referring to? And so when we, when we look at the context of the passage, um, we find that there was a, a very particular behavior taking place there where the Pharisees was, saw a, um, a work of Jesus and did not admit, um, did not admit that it was from God. Um, but rather they as- associated it to the devil. And and even when you step at that, you're like, well, if I, you know, if we assign anything to the devil, then I guess we're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But I believe, and I, I think many commentators and pastors uh, agree, that when, we dis- when Jesus is describing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, uh, let me pull it up for you in Matthew. It's in Matthew chapter 12, and we'll just let him... 
uh, describe it for us there in verse 22. He says, um, he says, um, where is it? Uh, Matthew twelve twenty-two. Every kingdom divided, every city cast out, whom you cast every tongues. Yes, so surely, how can you? Okay, um, verse 31. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. And we really need to understand the definition of what's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's not general blasphemy. It's not general sin, even up to murder. We see murder being uh, forgiven by God. So the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, I believe, the rejection of the conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit. It is a person that's the only sin that won't be forgiven is the sin of rejecting Christ. No one will be forgiven for their rejection of Christ. They, when, when you, that is, I believe, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has been sent to convict the world of sin, not of sins, but of a singular sin. Um, their separation against God, they, their, their unwillingness to follow Jesus, to surrender to him, to repent of their sinful lifestyle. That uh, one you've sin. Explained it to me. You have one, explained it to me, and I understand it. But let me give you a quick, a real quick example. Um, take the guy that started the Satanist church on his deathbed. If he would have asked for forgiveness on his deathbed, so he's not dead yet. Yep. Would he have been forgiven for what yes. all he did? Because he did yes. a lot of stuff. That's yes. Blasphemous. Yes. He would have been forgiven. That's yes. what I meant. That okay. Yep. So we do agree. Because I uh-huh. do see a lot of Christians that embrace certain religions that call themselves the vicar of Christ while they're on the planet, mm-hmm. you know, this and that and the other. And, I, and I, I say to myself, that is blasphemy. If you're a high up in a church and you don't recognize that, that is blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a real conversion and the deathbed of a wicked, vile person, I mean, how much— I, yeah, yeah, we may compare ourselves to this the the guy that Anton Levey that started the Satanist Church and go, oh, we're so much better than him. But are we? I mean, we've sinned against a holy and a righteous God. Did did not our sins nail Jesus to the cross too? And Absolutely. there will be um, degrees of reward in heaven. There will be a, a a sorting out of that from the Lord. But real confession, if 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 that the scenario you described is exactly what happened with the thief that was hanging on the cross right next to Jesus. His conversion happened right before his death, hanging on the on a cross next to Jesus on a cross. Right. I guess the only way you and I differ is I believe that 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 sinner next to Jesus on the cross who was forgiven, who asked for forgiveness. He's going to have the same rewards as everybody else because the power of the blood is that powerful. That's what, that's what I've always believed. And it's okay, I, but the Bible would disagree with that view um, because you're familiar, right? You're familiar with the bema seat of Christ. Are you familiar with that phrase, the judgment no, of the no. bema seat of Christ? 
no, I'm not familiar with that. So that's where believers will stand. Believers will stand at the Bema, which is the Bema seat in ancient Rome and in the first century was the place where rewards were given out. And listen to what it says, and let me see if it doesn't help your thinking a little bit. Because, And let me be clear, I do believe that that thief on the cross enters into the joy of his Lord. I believe he has all the uh, privileges and joy of being in an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and quite frankly, I don't know fully exactly how it's all going to be sorted out that you and I are are going to... Um, be rewarded. And I mean, how can, you know, whatever crowns we have, right, we're going to cast them right down at the feet of Jesus anyway. Um, But in light of that, listen to this, every believer, there's two judgment seats for the believer is the Bema seat for the unbeliever um, is the great white throne judgment. And at the Bema seat, the Bible says that our works, um, um, wood, hay, I can't find, okay, 1 Corinthians, it couldn't come to me, my mind is a little stressed right now, so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, in uh, verse, let's see here, um, uh, here we go, verse 11, it says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, now if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, the each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work, which he built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. So the thief on the cross is going to experience the forgiveness, the fullness of relationship, but it's clear that in the eternal state, there will be gains and losses in some way based on how we lived our life for Christ. So for the guy at the end, he's going to get right in. You know how they say this phrase, by the skin of his teeth, but he's going to get in. And somehow God is going to acknowledge and recognize you and me in our lives And I mean, as strange as it sounds, Jesus Christ himself will reward us for service that we offer to him willingly. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. I can't think of a reward, uh, a bigger reward than just being in heaven, period. Whether you're rewarded or not, you're there, you made it. Yeah, it's one of those things that we can theologically explain and we can read it from the Bible, but me, I don't quite understand it. I really don't. I can't imagine that I deserve any kind of reward from the Lord at all. Right. I hope I don't get what I deserve. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> well, bless you, brother. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for, for calling. For everything, man. You had a great program. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Before I get back to the phone lines, I see another text. By the way, you guys can text me, 720 uh, we had a uh, text come in that we answered yesterday. If causing a brother to stumble is a sin, Jesus drank wine. Um, would that consider a brother a sin if they look to Jesus and think it's okay to drink alcohol because Jesus did? And the answer is no. I answered this yesterday, but it, since you're texting again, you may not have heard it. No, Jesus didn't stumble anyone uh, because he didn't sin. So uh, that it wasn't a sinful activity for Jesus to drink wine, just like the Bible says. Again, remember yesterday, culturally, 
we live in a different culture. We have this conservative evangelical culture in the Western. And so drinking has a different connotation than if you went to, to Germany or you went to you know Italy where wine and beer are just very, very common drinks and most people don't get drunk. They just drink them. In the Western culture, it's been so devastating and so difficult uh, that it can stumble, but Jesus didn't stumble. And if anyone uses the episode of Jesus turning water into wine as an excuse toward drunkenness, toward sin, then they do so at their own peril. And I mentioned this last night in our Bible study. If you want to present yourself to sin, you're going to be a slave to sin, but you can't blame Jesus for it. Or like Adam and Eve, you know, Adam says, we kind of make a joke about it. Ha ha ha. It's the woman you gave me. No, 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 no. It wasn't the woman that caused Adam to sin at all. As a matter of fact, he's actually not even blaming Eve as much as he's blaming God for his sinful behavior. And that is not an accurate. God did not tempt him. God did not make him sin. God did not violate his free will. Adam had a true free will choice that he chose to rebel against the commandment of God. And so we can't blame God for our sin. Neither can Jesus. He did not stumble anyone because he didn't sin. We know that looking backwards. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. Back to, well, back to this side of the country, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Diana, welcome to the program. Hi there. Hi, Diana. I um I need prayer. Okay. I um I'm struggling with um long COVID. Okay. Uh, long I'm haulers, sorry. and um I got it back in February, and I've been going in and out of the doctor, and they did by the grace of God they did check my heart, and they did check um make sure that my organs were okay. The only problem that I have is that my lungs are weak, so I'm only praying. I'm only breathing with the top part, not with my diaphragm. So I okay. have to do some, uh, so I have to do physical ther- uh, uh, respiratory therapy for that. Okay. Um, but my spiritual walk has been, I've been struggling a lot with that because I have um, a lot of, um, I got anxiety from that. Yes. And I, I don't want to take medication because I believe that that is not coming from God. Okay. Because the anxiety says, and uh, I believe it's Ephesians or Philippians where it's on uh, chapter 4, yes. and where it says, do not be anxious about anything, with prayer and supplication. And it does say that he will protect our hearts and our minds. Of course. So I stand on those, on those, uh, on that. Yeah. And uh, medication, I, because um, I'm not able to sleep, I, there's days that I go without sleeping because the anxiety is so bad that I'm up and I'm pacing back okay. and forth. And, um, and so I just before refused. before you go on, before you go on, can I just can we just talk about that for a second? Um, do you take when you get a headache? Do you take Tylenol at all? Uh, I do. It, and because it's okay to take medication in some cases, it doesn't mean you lack faith. It doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. Um, obviously you, you can also take medication and still stand on the, on the faithfulness of God and on his promises. And when you're talking, I remember, I remember this line that I read from a sister, her name is Margaret Ashmore, and she's talking about exactly what you're wrestling with about 
medication and and I know the dangers of medication. I'm, I I know it can be very hard and it might be mind altering and you want to walk with wisdom. But he, here's what she said. She says, as a cancer survivor, I'm particularly grateful to God for revealing to researchers target chemotherapies to arrest the rogue cells threatening my life, as well as those who whose application limited nausea during treatment. And then she says, there is nothing spiritual about denying the wisdom God has dispensed to the medical community to save undue misery. That is not faith. It's foolishness. And you you don't have to battle this alone. I, I don't want to talk you away from your conscience, and I respect where you stand with God. But I wanted to plant a seed for you that if there's a mild medication that could calm your mind or a mild medication that could help you sleep, just like taking melatonin or something that is very, you know, under the care of your doctor, under the care of a medical professional to give you a little bit of relief, there's nothing wrong with that. You can be a faith-filled believer and at the same time take advantage of the wisdom and the smarts that God has given to the medical community even as you went to the doctor about long-term COVID and as they're revealing things about your lungs, um, you, you know, we, we all have broken brains and yours is under attack right now. Um, and it's true, Diana. I mean, it's true. We can, we can trust in the Lord and learn how to take every thought into captivity in Christ. That's true. Um, it's true that we can memorize scripture and hold on to them so that God can strengthen us through the weakness. Yes, that's true. Um, and, and and it's it's a level where if just a good night's sleep would help you do that better, then it's okay to talk to the doctor about that. You may still decide, no way, I don't want to do it, but you don't need to make it worse for yourself if the Lord releases you to ask your doctor for help. What the doctor did suggest, and they did give me, is, uh, it was a medication. Okay. And uh, it was... Uh, but it was a, a sedating kind because... Yeah. Well, tell them to give you something different. It's okay. Say, this doesn't work for me. I don't want this. Can you give me something lighter or different? And just be very specific um, if the Lord is in that. Um, but right now, I'm going to do what you asked. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Yes. I pray for my sister Diana, Lord. You hear her desperation. And even I think of the woman who uh, was wrestling with sickness and she wasted all her money on doctors and it never did give her the relief that she wanted but finally in desperation she came to touch the hem of the garment Jesus that you were wearing that day and immediately power was released I pray for that power to be released into my sister today that you would give her strength with her um, respiratory issues from COVID and and now you know the sleepless nights and the anxiety and the worry and even discouragement or depression that oppresses her, Lord. I pray against the assignments of the enemy that would want to see her destroyed and taken down, that, God, you would establish her and give her wisdom and direction on what steps to take next and help her, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, sister. Tell, keep us up to date, okay? I your program on my way to work. I'm mean, uh, from work. And oh, good. I thank you for, You're welcome. for all you do. Thank, thank you. you. Keep us up to date, Diane, okay? I will. Okay, thank you. 
All right, we're coming up on the end of the first half of the program. Uh, it comes very, very quickly. Uh, give me a call. A couple lines are open now, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text me, 720-336-0897. Text line's always open. You can always send prayer requests. We're going to pray for Lee. I uh, see that prayer request. Uh, a husband, Jordan, we're going to pray for as well. Um, and so the text line's always open, 3-0-3, uh, 720-336-0897. My name is Ed Taylor. I pastor the Calvary here in Aurora, Colorado, where Grace FM originates. It's a ministry outreach of our church here, one that we are grateful to uh, provide to our community, but also pray for your support and your help and your covering because it is filled with warfare. Oh, my goodness. Isn't the Lord good? that he'd allow us to be in the thick of things. You hear the music. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the program. You're listening to Calvary Live. I know some of you are tuning in just for the second half, so welcome back. We have an open line, 303-690-3000 is the number, 303-690-3000. You can text me directly, 720-336-0897. I'll just lead off with a text that just came in. Do you think it's okay to still listen to Hillsong United after everything they went through? The answer is yes. Yes, we judge all music by the merits of the music and of the song, of the lyrics. And certainly there are some systemic challenges within Hillsong, uh, some uh, really bad, sinful decisions that have been revealed that have come out, but at the same time, that doesn't mean every believer in Hillsong is bad. It doesn't mean every leader in Hillsong is bad. It doesn't mean every pastor is bad, or even those that are producing the music is bad. And and so I think that if it if if you can't, it's okay if you can't listen to those songs. But I mean, I I think you know, and, and for me personally, I remember back. I don't remember if it was 2015. Or fourteen, Hillsong United came to Denver, and I'm not a real concert guy at all. I don't like concerts pretty much. I don't like it's so loud and um, just. I mean, I'm not that I'm getting old or anything, but I, I just. But I was invited. Pastor Ian uh, had invited me to come to the Hillsong conference with, or this uh, Hillsong concert with him, uh, me and my wife, and um, and I went, and I was really blessed. It, it was a real difficult season in my grief. It was early on in my grief. And I don't know if Ian saw that or not, or, but I'm so grateful that he brought me because even those songs, some of those songs today bring a soothing ministry of the Holy Spirit to me uh, from that particular album. Uh, and, you know, I think that we have to be careful with being, um, I know some people take this hard line and we, you know, they're wicked, they're horrible, and look what's happening there, so we got to get rid of them. But, like, none of us come to the worship stage with clean hands, only the hands that have been cleansed by the Lord. None of us come with a 
perfect life, only a life that's been cleaned by the Lord, right? So um, yes, there's some definite challenges systematically, systemically within Hillsong that's been revealed. But even then, um, we don't know the full story. We don't know everything. We didn't get to talk to them. I know there's a big documentary on right now and uh, but we didn't we don't know the whole story it's it's not our story and so when I when I hear something like that when I step back I just think you know I need to I need to love those around me and walk in patience I I just did an interview last night uh, when I do interviews for bringing someone on our team here we talk about the Modesto Manifesto that we want to live above reproach we want to have proper holy respectful relationships with the opposite sex we we want to be um, careful with the resources and the money of the church we want to have the um, that that's run under a elder board you know not uh, not everyone's opinion on how to how we're supposed to oversee the church but we have an elder board uh, we have a pastoral team we have an administrative team we we are careful with those on the opposite sex and so uh, i just think that it's it's probably a good thing to have a podcast episode on just talking it through because the other qu- another question that came up that you didn't ask is you know can we still listen to bible studies from pastors that have fallen and I'm like, man, that's a good. That would be a good question because I'm kind of back and forth on that one, um, because I think of men that greatly, greatly affected me, and that when they were teaching that Bible study, they had a real walk with the Lord. It, it was a genuine, real walk with the Lord, and you know, their sin came later or something. And I'm like, well, and that one has troubled me because there's a couple guys um, that I've. I truly respect and I still love, I miss them. You know, when I hear of somebody falling, um, you know, and, and some, somebody that's been used in a great way that I know personally, um, I just miss them. I mean, I know the Lord's going to sort it out and he's going to deal with them, but it's a bummer because I think of how well they were used and, and how, and it's a warning to us, isn't it? That all of us are one decision away from ruining our lives. And all of us are one decision away from, destroying the reputation of Jesus or, you know, like what did Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, what did David say or um, slow down, Ed, what did Nathan say um, to David? He said that you've given an occasion um, for those to blaspheme God. I'm going to look it up so I can read it to you while we're looking it up. Maybe Kevin can look it up for me. Um, I'm going to go back to the phone lines and I'm going to hit Littleton, um, Christina, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Pastor, for taking you're, my call. You're welcome. Yes. Um, I just had a prayer request for okay. my roommate and I, my roommate Autumn and myself. Okay. Well, is there anything in particular? or? Um, yes. Sorry. Uh, so we're it's both okay. single parents, and um, we're kind of just struggling, just um, trying to raise them the right way. Both of us have had trauma in our life. Okay. So, um, you know, we're just... It's just really hard, and uh, both of them are three, so okay. they're both girls, yes. and it's just tough, <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, it is tough, you know. And I think with Mother Day, Mother's Day coming up, it's good for the audience to realize that I know we we celebrate and we're happy, and it's good to be a mom. But for many moms, and I could even say most moms, it can it's really hard. Um, and as for single moms, it's really really hard, and and it's good that. We acknowledge that and we pray for that and we come alongside and not forget that I'm sure you're doing a great job, 
uh, as a mom doing double duty. I'm sure of it, but it's still hard. <laughs> it's like, see, at the end of the day, you can say, oh, Lord, I'm so, I did my best today. But then you go to bed exhausted and you go to bed concerned and you go to bed dealing with even memories and trauma. And, and I just want you to know that the Lord is with you. His compassion is towards you. And I'm grateful that you've taken on the, and, and your friend, you have taken, and Autumn, you guys have taken on the responsibility to raise these girls in the ways of the Lord. And God's going to honor that. Thank you. Father, I pray for Christina and Autumn. And by extension, the single moms listening in to this program today, God, that you would establish them in the calling that you've given to them. What a blessing it is to have children, to raise the next generation. Nobody enters into relationships or marriage or even child rearing with the thought of making it harder than it already is. But sin and difficulty happens. And here they are, God, dealing with the lot that they've been given, embracing it. But, I, but it's hard for them. So I pray for them, Lord. I pray for the girls, um, just a house full of ladies, Lord. Bless them, protect them, help them with wisdom. Your word says if we lack wisdom, that we can ask you, and you will give it to us liberally without reproach. And so I just pray that over this home today, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. You're welcome, sister. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, let's head out to Tennessee now. Lisa, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Yes, sir. I was calling to ask what is very complicated question to me, but first let me say thank you for your program. It has been a great um, blessing to me in my life. I listen almost every single day. I have sent you messages, and you have recommended books, and it has been very um helpful and meaningful to my life. That's good. This week I have noticed um, in listening, there's a lot of, a lot of conflict and questions, mainly because of differences in doctrine of different religions. And so my question is this, I was raised in the church of Christ. I used to attend a Methodist church. I have pretty much, Um, attended a Baptist church for the last 30-something years, but I've never considered myself Church of Christ Methodist Baptist. I consider myself a Christian and a child of God because I don't believe that we should have divisions. Um, So when I was listening this week, the conflict and the questions, it made me think, should we not see the Bible as our doctrine, and it should answer all those questions rather than the doctrine that the church has necessarily written to follow. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely does make sense. Yeah, I think you're describing something that a lot of people feel. So, yeah, it makes sense. Um, So, I guess my question is um, your thoughts on is there even a necessity for church, the churches that, you, that you're attending, to have doctrine when we have his word. I, I do think it's a necessity, yes. I do think it. And, and I think that what you're, what, what you're describing is built by, because what you're describing, even what you just described, you know, kind of um, this is how I think the church should be, 
is actually a stand in and of itself. Uh, like, so if I took a stand and said, we should have a doctrinal statement, well, your stand is we shouldn't have a doctrinal statement. So like de defining documents are very important for a lot of reasons and they're not unusual. It's not a Western church um, thing. You know, there have been creeds and councils uh, from the beginning of, of the church. Remember in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 15, they had a difficulty. Remember um, so many Gentiles were being saved and they didn't know how to handle it. So what did they do? They called a council and the leaders came together and they talked things through. And then from that leadership council, they gave direction for the rest of the church. And you could even say that the Bible itself, especially the New Testament, especially the epistles and the letters that were written are defining documents for the church so that when, by the time we have a doctrinal statement, you know, I, I looked ours up on my website just to see what we, how we did it. I know we did it. I, I helped write it, but it is a defining, it, it, it is necessary for us to define how we view the Bible. Uh, because if we're going to read the Bible, which I agree with you, the Bible should be the sole source of our doctrine, doctrinal statements and doctrine. The word just means teaching. And so all of us have doctrine. All of us um, have a belief system. We all say it comes from the Bible, and yet we all disagree. So, and, and there's so much disagreement in the church. Um, and so how do we address that? What is a tool to address that? And I believe a tool that's been developed is the doctrinal statements that we have. Um, now, this little family of churches, Calvary Chapel, you know, the church I pastor, the church that owns the radio station you're listening to, uh, there's a great Calvary in Bartlett, I, I believe, um, right there. I'm going to be in Knoxville later this year at another Calvary Chapel there. So Calvary Chapels are all over. Um, in the original Calvary Chapel, which you know our little family of churches only started in the late um, 60s, um, this was the only statement that he used. You ready? Are you familiar with it? I'm not. Okay, this is what he wrote. This is Pastor Chuck Smith. This is what he wrote for his church. Calvary Chapel has been formed as a fellowship of believers under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our supreme desire is to know Christ and be conformed to his image by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not a denominational church, nor are we opposed to denominations as such, only to their overemphasis of the doctrinal differences that have led to the division of the body of Christ. We believe the only true basis of Christian fellowship is Christ's agape love, which is greater than the differences we possess and without which we have no right to claim ourselves Christians. And that's it. That's what he wrote. And, and that just answered my question when he said, as long as what you believe is not separate from what Christ has instructed us in. Yeah, I mean, and the, the problem, of course... The problem that you're trying that you're addressing, I think, in some respect, is everyone claims to interpret the Bible accurately. Everyone claims. If you talk to the Church of Christ, I, I was raised. My family was raised in that church, so I'm very familiar with their doctrines. When they say, when they teach baptismal regeneration, the belief that you're not saved unless you're baptized by a Church of Christ pastor. Uh, minister, they don't use the word pastor, minister, um, and you talk to them about that, you know what they're going to say? It's in the Bible. 
They're going right. to refer to the Bible, but it's so then I open the same Bible and I'm like, no way it's not there. And so there thus is the division that's that there it's impassable. Like we have two move. We have the same document, the same English translation, and maybe even knowing the Greek and we can go behind the scenes to look at the, even the original source of the word, and you're still going to have an impassable disagreement. But to us, we would have, I think it's important for us to say, because, you know, Pastor Chuck Smith, so he wrote that little thing, but, but, you know, he was a very charismatic church. So uh, he came from a particular denomination, you know, to start Cal or to take over this little church known as Calvary Chapel, but he believed in the gifts of the spirit. And so it'd be important for people to know if you come to our church, we believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so there is value in doctrinal statements. There is value in coming together and defining how we interpret the Bible. But here's the big surprise, you know, especially on secondary issues, right? We should know. But the big surprise is, is how many how many things we got wrong and how many things we got right. I think that that will be the Holy Spirit, um, a great revelation when we're standing before Jesus. And we, you know, I hope that we take a minimal approach to arguing on secondary things and we fight like crazy for primary things. I don't struggle with that personally. I struggle with my, when I'm sharing my faith, why I feel the way I feel, you know? And so I guess that's why I was asking, you know, my my answer is always look to the word rather than, you know, (laughs) because that's, personally, you know, how I feel like he is always impressed upon me. Um, and I, because, you know, the, um, the doctrine of the Church of Christ, that is what led my life for so long and was yes. impressed upon me. And that is what, why I have struggled so over the years with these different things. Yes. Yes. It, it's very hard. Like we, um, and I'm, I take responsibility for it in my own life. Like I, we, we have made things a lot more complicated than I believe God intended. And I think through brokenness and humility and surrender, we can really get back to a place where it is agape love. It, it is that, you know, even in this conversation, I don't sense any tension or anything, but let's say there was, and we just say, you know what, sister, or you know what, brother, um, I know we don't see eye to eye on this, but but we're going to hang up in unity. You know, we're going to think about, I'm going to think the best about you. I'm going, you know, those types of behaviors so that the spirit, remember the the fruit of the spirit is love. And then everything else follows. You know, he, love is the more excellent way. And I just pray that the Lord would. But even then, you know, I think of that. Even then, if we t- if we use the word love, we definitely have to define it. Otherwise, all sorts of definitions of love could be used to describe God's love. You know, the same word we use to say, I love ice cream, we can say, I love God, but we mean two very different things. True. Very true. Yeah. Well, that's a great, I mean, I, I get your consternation. I get it. Like it's, um, and, and I do think that it's important again, because it's a great question that you're asking. I, I do think like, for example, for the church of Christ, I mean, I know there's real genuine, a God-loving people in that church, because I attended there with my family, but the legalism and the teaching that comes with the Church of Christ, I will not support. I just won't do it, and I'll I'll be willing to stand before Jesus and say, no, I don't think that's God's heart on how to oversee the church. I just don't. I, I, 
I, I believe completely and totally in that. My mother and I were on opposite sides of that conversation until the good Lord took her from this earth. Mm. Um, but that's because God has been with me and just, I don't know, he's, he's, I truly believe he's always had his hand upon me. And um, she was raised in that time when it was literally ingrained in yes. them. That Generationally. Way or no way. Yeah, I mean, yes. I think it yes. sounds, I bet you and I are in a similar generation. My mom as well, and her whole side of the family, uh, it was generational. And my grandmother was the matriarch, so she kind of ran everything. And then that was my great-grandmother. And then my grandmother, too, you know, they're all following suit, and they're all very, um, you know, living that legalistic, really, the, the flip, you know, the flip side of legalism, right? If it's a coin, legalism is on one side, hypocrisy is on the back side. Because nobody can ever live up to the rules and regulations they impose on other people. Nobody can. Um, but I watched a transformation in my mom. After I started going to Calvary Chapel, which is where I was born again, my whole family thought I was in a cult. They came down heavy on me. That's not a real church. I mean, I have a relative till still to this day uh, does not believe that what I am involved in benefits the kingdom of God, that I am wrong to this day because of the strictness of the church of Christ teachings that have been ingrained. And again, we're talking like, you know, we're talking more uh, a blanket statement because a guy like Max Lucado also pastors a church of Christ and that's a church I think I could mm -hmm. go to. Um, so uh, we want to <laughs> be careful with these blanket statements, but in general, the general teachings and the legalism my family was caught up in, it was just, but, but when I got born again, you know, um, my mom transformed, um, you know, my parents started a real born again relationship with God. My grandmother, who was a chain smoking, very, she had a very hard life, chain smoking legalist. <laughs> she, she was born again. Somebody handed her these books because, you know, they won't read anything. They won't listen to anything. And somehow she was a nurse. Somebody handed them these books. This guy wrote like four books of the freedom of grace and revolutionized her life. It was beautiful to see. Well, it's funny because that was what your recommendation was for me to read was a book written by Chuck Smith about grace, and ah. I am reading it, and it has really helped me. Oh, it's so good. Um, very much so. I, uh, I thank you for your time. I ask you to keep me always in my, uh, your prayers. I have, um, I'm married for 37 years. I have three sons and a, an amazing family that God has blessed me with. And I just always want to be able to be for them the example that God would have me to be. You bet. And so I want to, I want to feel like I'm, when I'm saying or explaining or discussing that I'm coming from his word. You bet. Um, and I will say I feel like specifically in talking to you, you are so relational to today, and I, I, I thank God for you. Well, thank you, and thanks for praying for me, and I think I, I do agree with you. Like I do, even, even as we do go back to the Bible, you know, before the doctrines of men, you know, even in the Bible, what do we have? We have the doctrines of men being denied. It's been a problem or being developed, right? That what did Jesus say? He said that your teachings and doctrines of men is the commandments of God. And Jesus mm -hmm. forbid that. In the first century, they were doing that. And what, you know, Jesus comes on the scene and says, you guys, 
you're supposed to be representing my father and you got it all wrong. And the reward for him coming in grace and truth was crucifixion. And so it is a hard road down, you know, it is a hard road to navigate now 2000 years later and all the challenges. But I do think that when you apply, when you go back to the Bible and you take people beyond the doctrines of men, God will bless that and he will honor that because his word will be in, you know, enlivened like it, it has life. So when you share the word to someone, it has life. And, and if a doctrinal statement helps people understand how we use the Bible, I think it's an accurate thing. If a doctrinal statement is used as a, as a document that's better and over and above the Bible, I don't agree with that. You and I agree then. <laughs> yep. No, it's great. It's a great question. You know, the, the thing about these questions is, you know, I know it sounds awkward or it's diff, but a lot of people are thinking the same thing you're thinking. Oh, and, and that's what brought it to my mind this week because I heard so many different conversations this week um, and some very uh, almost heated conversations on the show. And it, to me, it was all in the fact that their doctrine was not from the book that God gave us to yeah. live by. And had it, and, and it, so anyway, that's where it, that, that brought it into my mind. And I was like, so is it wrong to have that doctrine? And I do get what you're saying. It's, it's right to explain what your belief is based on the word. It's wrong to uh, change what the word is saying. Yeah, let me read you a quote. I don't know where I got this. I'm going to replace the theology, the system of theology that's in the quote, and I'll just use it general. And so it, it says, a thoroughly blank interpretation of the gospel is not the gospel after all. It's merely an interpretation. And mm -hmm. so for those of us outside of that particular camp, we are still teaching Christ, even if our interpretation doesn't match yours line for line. And then Paul wrote, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and I in that rejoice. And so, you know, there's some real large streams of popular doctrine that have been invented along the way by certain men. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, X person might believe this, mm -hmm. Y person might believe that, but let's just admit it's still a man's interpretation and that we're co-laborers and let's strike the balance of the authenticity that would come through the word of God, just like you said. So thanks for calling. We got to yep. go. All right. Thank you, Pastor Taylor. Blessed day. Have Bless a blessed you in day. Tennessee. Bye-bye. Great, great question. Thank you guys for tuning in today. The passage that I was thinking of earlier as well is Kevin found it for me. Uh, David Nathan tells David, by this deed you've given great occasion of the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child, uh, to blaspheme. You've given enemies of the Lord to blaspheme him. And, you know, we do that in our lives. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Such a great question from Tennessee. I think that, you know, so many, so much division and difficulties over secondary matters that uh, kind of inflame pride in us. And, you know, we, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And um, I know a lot of texts came through, so I'm going to pray for these requests. I'm going to send these requests off to our prayer teams. Somebody named Adam text about the pre-trib 
Email me, Adam. I will send you anybody that wants to know about the pre-trib. I have a whole list of resources, including my own teachings. Our teachings are on online. I have 12 reasons why I believe in a pre-trib rapture, why I believe it's biblical. Um, other people that are much smarter than me, uh, that they also have resources from them. So, Adam, email me. Anyone that wants to know, I have resources. It won't take me long at all to respond to your email. Just send it to ed at edtaylor.org. I also have a lot of articles on prophecy at my website, edtaylor.org. Uh, and, you know, this great question. Um, the, the, we are a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial in our, in our understanding of prophecy. And that is what we teach. That's how I teach the Bible. That's how I interpret the Bible. Um, and even in light of this last question, right, um, you may interpret it differently, um, but this is where we stand. Um, and so email me. You guys want information on grief? T email me. Tell me you'd like that. You want information on prof prophecies? What's going on with uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 and Ukraine? Email me. Um, go to my website, edtaylor.org. And it can also link back to all my audio teachings. And it can link to my podcast. But I can send you links directly. All you need to do is reach out to me. Ed at edtaylor.org. Ed at edtaylor.org. And uh, would love to connect with you. Um, just email me and I'll send it to you. God bless you guys. So encouraged by what God's doing in our midst. Shout out to all the stations. We love you guys. Thanks for supporting us, praying for us. May the Lord bless you, encourage you, and we'll see many of you in church this weekend. Go to our website, calvaryco.church. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.